Welcome to Dealmaker Diaries, where you hear directly from the dealmakers who you invest with. M&A, real estate syndication, and more. Strap in for unparalleled advice, wisdom, and insight from some of the world's best business minds with Don Thomas and G1C Group. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Dealmaker Diaries. Today we have with us DJ McClure, who is the VP of Sales and Business Development at National Flood Experts, NFE, driving strategic growth through partnerships and tailored cost-saving solutions. NFE's achievements include consecutive appearances on the Incorporated 5000 list and recognition on the Tampa Bay Business Journal's Fast 50 list. With a commitment to innovative flood insurance solutions, NFE has saved clients over $15 million in premiums and added nearly $300 million in property value. Supported by a team of experienced professionals, NFE is dedicated to providing nationwide clients with education, guidance, and optimal solutions. So let's give DJ McClure a warm welcome to the show. Let's go. So DJ, welcome to the show. How are you today? Doing great. Excited to be here. Yeah, very excited to have you on as well. I think um, what you have the offer would be what you have to offer would be quite quite informative for some of our listeners. So yeah, let's let's jump right in. Before we do, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, um, what you do, what your company does, and how you got into this this market? Sure. Yeah, I'm. Um, I guess kind of a fairly unique type person. I started in the tennis industry. Uh, for most of my 20s, working as a, as a tennis pro and kind of gravitated to, to different sales industries. I met uh, the owner of this company five years ago and really just was, I kind of gravitated to the type of consulting they were doing. Real estate was always a big uh, interest and um, area that I knew I wanted to somehow be a part of. And so this became, uh, you know, a very interesting combination of both helping people as a consultant, but also being really tied into the real estate world. And so National Flood Experts is an engineering company. And we have kind of a combined expertise in that we obviously have the flood zone engineering, but then we have layered on top an expertise with the flood insurance, but then also the real estate industry. And so it's really the combination of these three that make for a real unique knowledge base and how we're able to help investors reduce or sometimes even eliminate their flood insurance cost. And so I started as a sales rep and then have, have worked my way into, you know, the management and growth of the company. And so, yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. We get to work with investors all over the country and just uh, solve problems and create property value all in the same. Yeah, absolutely. And, and- and I heard you mention um, flood zone, flood zone engineering. So, to the to the layperson, what exactly is that, and how does how does that work? Sure. So, the flood zones are managed at the local level. So, whatever county you know your property is located in, that particular local municipality is going to manage um, the upkeep and the revision of the flood maps. And so, when you get into the engineering piece, this is where things come into play. If you go to build something in a flood zone, there's permitting restrictions that will dictate uh, at what elevation those properties are built at. And then with the civil engineering and the flood maps, 
you know, when you, anything that you see has somehow accounted for where water is going to go, be it a parking lot, um, you know, be it you're building a multifamily property and, you know, maybe you've elevated some areas. So you've added a retention pond, you know, to again, move water where you want it to go. So with, with the engineering side, what we're doing is we're looking at the minute details of properties and how they compare with their elevation to the flood zone. Okay. And how, so you guys work as consultants. Is that how you're compensated on a, on a consultative basis? Exactly. So we look at hundreds of properties every month all over the country. And so we, we start our process with a no-cost review. So our engineers... They dig into the flood insurance. They dig into the engineering of the actual buildings and how they compare to the flood zones. And we're just going down different avenues to try to find a solution that will ultimately reduce or possibly even eliminate the requirement for the flood insurance. And at that point, then we're discussing the solutions that are possible, what next steps can be done, and then what the before and after would look like. Okay. Yeah, so recently I was looking at a plot of land in Georgia that this guy owned and he was willing to contribute the land for a percentage of the deal. And when we started looking at it, that's one of the things we noticed that it wasn't a flood zone. And also it was in a pretty nice commercial area with a uh, Home Depot, a couple of um, shopping centers. But one of the things with the, another commercial broker I was working with when we got into the um, CoStar was, okay, it looks like a lot of the runoff from a lot of the other surrounding businesses was going through this product land. He's like, okay, so how are you going to mitigate this? Where is this water runoff going to go? That's going to be one of your probably most costly concerns when you're getting this done. So then when I started looking at it, it was just, it just seemed too complicated for me. So I just, you know, forget it. I don't want to do this deal. So I think had I known about you, that would have definitely, you, you guys could have definitely come in handy to consult, consult on that. Is that the kind of things that, you help with help real estate investors with absolutely yeah so a lot of our projects are existing real estate um but as of the last two years we've seen more ground up development projects than ever before just because with the density of certain areas and the um the need for housing you know developers are moving into into new areas and they're running into flood zones inevitably mm -hmm. um you know with situations like you're describing development moves faster than the revision of the flood maps. And so this is where we find a lot of properties that have characteristics to where they can actually be excluded from the flood maps. Um, and so it's in those cases that we can go to FEMA and they're actually able to have the flood zone designation changed from that of the 100 year, which is like your A type flood zones you hear about, probably what you saw with that same case. And they're able to be reclassified into an X zone. So like in a case you're describing with raw land, there might have been options to where you could have built in such a way that the building footprint perhaps could have been taken out of the 100 year and could have totally made a difference in the construction costs, possibly even, you know, removed the flood insurance requirement as well. Okay. And for reference, this would have been um, a self-storage build as well. So it wouldn't have been multifamily with a self-storage deal. Yeah, this applies for any type of real estate that uh, that you can imagine. Okay. And, you know, self-storage is a pretty common asset class where, you know, investors are not so worried necessarily about water. They obviously don't want a total loss, but we have a lot of self-storage clients that they don't want the flood insurance costs. They're not, yeah. 
really wanting yeah. to take on that as part of their their business plan. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even know there was an option to have it removed. So yeah, that's so yeah. I mean, if this deal is still available, I might go back to the seller and say, "Hey, let's <laughs> let's have some let's have some more conversations." That's right. Right, and I, I heard you on a different podcast talking about um, value add solutions for properties in flood zones. So can you can you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of investors, um, they buy a property in a flood zone and the lender imposes a requirement and they buy the flood insurance year over year and it just becomes a cost of doing business. And the thing about flood insurance is that, you know, it's going to increase every year like other costs. And so the reason it can be a value add play is that if there are scenarios where that cost can be reduced, again, possibly even eliminated altogether, um, that's an immediate year over year cost savings that they're going to now realize. Um, so if you can take someone's flood insurance from, you know, 25,000 down to 10,000, that 15,000 on most properties, that's going to equate yeah. to about a quarter million in value, you yeah. know, on an average six cap. So in these cases, flood insurance can actually transfer to a buyer in a lot of cases. So if you've created that year over year trajectory on the pricing of the insurance, your buyer can adopt and actually take assumption of ownership of that same policy when they buy it. Okay. And, and having that, that insurance reduced or removed, you're, you're presenting this to, to FEMA to have this done, correct? Yeah. So one of the options is that you can have the flood maps uh, petitioned and changed. So if the engineering proves that that particular building or set of buildings um, has characteristics to where it can be reclassified from a high risk category to a low risk category. At that point, the banks no longer have a compliance requirement to make you carry that flood insurance policy. And so then at that point, you as the property owner have the choice to keep the insurance, cancel the insurance, kind of depends on your risk profile. Uh, but at that point, if you were spending twenty five thousand and now you have chosen to drop it, you're twenty five thousand cash flow positive for all the subsequent years. And because that flood map's been changed, it continues to live with the property. So your buyers are going to then purchase a property that's no longer required for flood insurance. So a lot of our clients are then able to recognize this valuation increase in a refinance, uh, in a valuation of a sale. So that's back to your question a minute ago about the value add. This is where it can be a dramatic property value increase uh, pretty instantaneously. Absolutely. How How long of a process is that from the time you present it to FEMA until you can get that done? Because I'm thinking if I'm if I have a property under contract and I'm going through due diligence, is this something I can get adjusted during due diligence, or is it longer a process where I can drop it later and say, "Hey, this is the value I've added to the property since I purchased it"? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, if we're brought in during due diligence, you know, in most cases we've got about six weeks to closing, and yeah. most projects can be presented reviewed and approved by FEMA in under six weeks. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's that's very good. Okay. There are even scenarios where the approval can be in as quick as one to two weeks. Okay. So, so this sounds like something they've that's been streamlined and FEMA is 
accustomed to this kind of presentation and they're open to reviewing these type of requests. Yeah. I mean, there's experts that, that work in this, like everything else, you know, we have um, a high volume of these projects. And so we've been able to streamline the process in a way that enables us to be able to get these types of projects um, approved quickly. And you can't always, can't always um, promise those timelines, but there is a criteria Mm -hmm. And because we see such a high volume of these projects, you can estimate pretty closely. And so a lot of investors that bring us in early in the acquisition process or um, early when they're leading into a refinance, you know, we're able to get these things completed before the closings. So this way they can potentially renegotiate their loan proceeds, uh, potentially have a higher valuation for their cash out refi. So the timelines are important. So this is where understanding the real estate piece of the equation is really important so that we really understand exactly the scenario that we're working within. Okay. And aside for this type of this this type of process, are there other ways to uncover um hidden NOI for CREs and flood zones? Absolutely. So the flood insurance policies that most people are carrying through FEMA, you know, the National Flood Insurance Program, NFIP, you'll hear it referred to as, um, there's a set of variables that are used within the policies to calculate the premium. And so part of our review process is we're breaking down all the different variables that are going into the end premium that's being calculated. Um, FEMA just went through a huge um, rating evolution, if you will. It's called risk rating 2.0. And so they changed some of the variables that they've been using and they introduced a new um, a new way to look at the premium. It's called the full risk premium. And this is an important detail for everyone to understand because what this tells you is essentially what the ceiling price of your policy is going to be ultimately. And so today you're paying 2000 but your full risk premium might be 7000 so that means you're going to increase every year until you get to that 7,000 mark. And so there are situations to where additional data can be introduced to the carrier uh, that doesn't only reduce your premium today, but in some cases can reduce that full risk premium to where instead of increasing from 2,000 to 7,000, maybe your full risk premium now is only 3,000. And so as a- That's awesome, yeah. From a business forecasting perspective, you can now say, okay, I know exactly what my costs are going to be for the next several years. And then you know essentially where that flood insurance cost is going to level off. Yeah, that's huge. And um, so and, and looking at acquisition and underwriting strategies. So say I'm purchasing a property in New Orleans or in Florida where where you know it's it's in a flood zone. So what are some acquisition under underwriting strategies we can use to incorporate properties that we're 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 acquiring or underwriting? Sure. I would say most commonly you don't have a lot of sellers that are using this strategy, you know, as a way to make their valuation um higher on the presale. So as a buyer, if I'm going into one of those markets, I want to start looking into if the flood insurance costs has some type of way of being reduced so that it can make my underwriting even a little more strength or a little stronger, excuse me. Um, And so if I'm buying a property to where it's historically carried a $30,000 flood insurance expense, 
And I know that I can have the requirement removed, or I know that there's other solutions to get that cost, you know, say cut in half. Uh, it's going to allow me to have definitely some more buying power going into that property. And so this is where, you know, I'll call this the hidden NOI and flood zones in some conversations, because uh, among other strategies that people are using, you know, typically from a CapEx perspective to increase rents, drive NOI growth, obviously, if you can reduce costs that go straight to the bottom line, it's going to have even a faster effect and a faster growth multiplier, depending on how many years you hold the property. So adding this to your due diligence checklist, getting a copy of the seller's flood insurance policies, you know, having an expert go through the property, the flood zone as early as pro as possible in the process, this is only going to increase the chances that you're going to find some things that could help strengthen the underwriting. Okay. And in most cases, what, what, what percentage of times are you able to find savings or reductions when helping out? Us, yeah, that's a great question for us. It's typically about 50% of the time, you know, so we can't promise in every scenario that we can change the flood zone, but there might be other situations where we could then help reduce the premium. And so this is where there's a, you know, a number of different solutions that can be possible. Um, and so you just have to go through the process, have the experts and engineers take a look and then really just dissect and dig into the granular details and, and see what might be possible. And, and just curious, are there certain areas of the country that you're more active in? I mean, coasts that are, that are near the coast or near lakes or rivers, where are you most active or do you see the most activity? That's a great question. We get asked all the time, you know, by investors like, Hey, tell me where the hotspots are, you know, cause naturally once they get a taste for this type of strategy, uh, you know, you're looking for the, for the hot, hot beds. Mm -hmm. Um, but realistically this is everywhere. You know, we do a lot of projects naturally around, you know, the Houston's, the New Orleans, um, Charleston, you know, markets that you would immediately think about. But realistically, we did projects in 42 states last year. Um, okay. Projects up into the, the Northwest, into Idaho, places that you probably wouldn't think about, but anywhere there's a river, creek, stream, you know, there's going to be a flood zone not far away. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I never would have thought Idaho. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Boise has been a pretty hot market uh, in the last eighteen months. We've seen quite a few, quite a few acquisitions up that direction. Okay, and um, so let, let's talk about lender lender insurance requirements because I mean, a lot of us when we're acquiring properties, most times we pretty much just do what the lender tells us to do, right? I mean, the lender says this, hey, it's the lender, it's, it's their money, we have to do it. So, what what are some ways of understanding, or how, how do you help help your your clients understand? lender flood insurance requirements and how do you maximize refinance values? Yeah, this is a really big topic because, you know, right now you've got, you know, billions of dollars in loans that are going to be coming into maturity within the next, you know, 12 to 18 months coming off of bridge debt. And a lot of them are going to be looking to be uh, refinanced potentially with agency debt. And what mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize is that the flood insurance, uh, among other types of requirements will change when you go from, you know, a short-term debt to a Fannie or Freddie type loan. So with, with lenders, the first thing you want to understand is that the majority of loans being federally backed, 
they follow all the same protocols when it comes to flood zones. So if any part of a building, uh, even marginally, is touched by a 100-year flood zone, you're going to have a flood insurance requirement as a result. And it's a compliance piece for the lenders. It's uh, legally required. And so if you've ever seen a flood zone determination document that they provide, um, that lenders are having a third party to double check all this happens on every single real estate transaction. And so, okay, so you have a, a standard loan. They're going to make you cover the properties with uh, $500,000 in premium, or excuse me, $500,000 in coverage for each building. Whereas when someone goes to change into a Fannie or Freddie type loan, they may require that you have the full building replacement value. They may also require... 12 months of business income, you know, so you could have a situation to where uh, you're paying, you know, let's say 2000 a building times 10 buildings on a property and the amount of coverage that they're now requiring could take that 20,000 cost and potentially take it all the way up to a hundred thousand. So it's something that we always advise people when they're putting their business plans together. If a refinance is in, you know, that three, four, five year range potentially. Okay, and and, and like you said, if any you say if any part of the building touches the flood zone, so say you have a property with five buildings, but only one building or fifty percent of that building touches the flood zone, are they going to require that on just that building or all five buildings of the property? Typically, it's just that single building that's being touched. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so what we see a lot of times is that you may see the flood zone that's just like, you know, kind of barely rubbing up against the edge of that building, but mm -hmm. it's pretty black and white and it's very objective. Um, that building is going to get flagged and they're going to put the, the flood insurance requirement in place. Okay. Now, it works to your benefit when it's in reverse, right? So if you you have these high insurance costs, and there are solutions that allow you to then reduce it. When you do go into the refinance on the Fannie Freddie side, um, give you a real life example. We had a client in New Orleans um, a few years ago, 36 buildings. You're like, there's no way that this would be possible in New Orleans of all places. But in lots of parts of the country, there's been mitigation work that's been done you know, since past hurricanes. And so the flood maps in a lot of areas of the country have improved. So we looked at this property and they had, you know, close to a hundred thousand dollar flood insurance expense that we were able to then get removed. So you can do some quick math. Uh, he went into refinance. The cash out value was increased quite dramatically as a result. Um, and then they transitioned into a new debt structure and we're able to then carry forward with, you know, a hefty prize in their pockets and then lower year over year costs on the property there as a result also. And DJ, is it often that um, you can mitigate or re-engineer land to, to realize that value if it's in a flood zone? Yeah. So one of the things with development is, you know, you want to understand at the present um, present state, you know, with the raw land, what's the topography and how does it compare to the flood zone currently? You know, so if we're looking at a situation where, you know, maybe certain parts of the land are, you know, at or above the flood zone elevation, whereas other areas may not be, 
Um, okay, can we regrade the land to get it to the elevations that we need it to be? Um, can dirt be brought in in some cases? Um, what situations are possible? So you, it, it all starts with that raw topography elevation and then start looking at, you know, what different things may be possible, but then most importantly, what's cost effective to the project, you know, so it, it's a great idea. Sure. At, in logic to just bring in a whole bunch of dirt, but if the cost of that ruins, mm. you know, the effectiveness of the project, then that may not be feasible. Right. But there's a lot of cases to where you can get creative and then not only does that mitigate the insurance cost, but that can also, you know, change and remove some of the permitting uh, restrictions that are also imposed by the flood zone as well and potentially make, you know, the actual construction a little bit simpler. Okay. In your time in this industry, DJ, what what are some of the worst advice you've heard given to investors or developers? in regard to flood insurance. I I mean, I think there's a stigma, right? That all flood zones are bad. And, you know, I think that with water, water can go anywhere. We saw that with some of the recent hurricanes, you know, you have, you know, a storm surge that can flood anything. Um, So not every flood zone is doom and gloom and you have varying risk profiles, right? So uh, our job isn't to tell you to keep or not keep flood insurance. Our job is to help, present what options are available given the data, you know, so some of the worst advice is that, you know, steer away from a flood zone every time you could be missing out on, Mm. you know, a unicorn project potentially. Yeah, definitely. And can you talk about CRE life cycle strategies to reduce or eliminate flood insurance costs in in a little more detail? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, over the course of an investment property, um, you know, you're going to, you're going to come into uh, solutions like this at different stages. You know, you may hear about metering acquisition, but you may figure out that there's a particular uh, water or energy or, you know, something else maybe in year four. And for us, we can help a property at any stage. And so, you know, it's not to be discouraged if you're listening and you're like, well, I've had this property for three years. I wish we'd met in the past. We can still help today. And okay. it doesn't have to be at the acquisition. It doesn't have to be before the sale. At any point in the life cycle, um, you know, a, a real estate owner or investor can can benefit from these, um, you know, cost reduction strategies. Okay. And I know so... When we talk about um, insurance carriers in general, we know they keep a lot of data. But um, so flood insurance isn't provided directly by carriers, right? It's provided through FEMA, as I understand it. Correct? Yeah. So, I mean, you have different carriers that write their, you know, through the the FEMA insurance program. Okay. Um, But they're all following the same rules. So you should, in theory, get the same premium cost regardless of, you know, which of the different carriers you're going to. So when, when my question is, so if you look at, so at least for multifamily syndication, usually most of the deals are going to be five to six year holds. Mm-hmm. So when when these carriers are underwriting the insurance, are they looking at the likelihood that this property might experience water or flooding? Are they, are they looking to say this area 
gets a flood or a storm this amount of this many times a year are they are they figuring that into their underwriting when they're looking at rates and premiums that's a good question you know so you've got varying uh varying philosophies if you're going through fema's program you know they're taking different variables um you know the building type they're looking at how many floors distance to water um you know so it's a combination of factors that they essentially use to create the premium if you're looking at the private market, they have their own models that they're using to estimate the likelihood that something may flood. Um, and so on the private sector, it's essentially what type of appetite do they have for that area? You know, so the one okay. thing to be to be careful about is sometimes you will see um, in the private market to where they'll be very aggressive on you know a low premium cost in year one but they may not necessarily have that same price at renewal. So you may see some, some increases. Whereas with FEMA's program, you go back to the full risk premium, at least you know exactly what the trajectory of that pricing is going to be. So if you're coming with a brand new policy, it's going to start year one at the full risk premium. And you shouldn't see dramatic increases necessarily you know, in the coming years. Um, that's why, like I was mentioning earlier, if you have an opportunity to assume the policy from the seller, and that's one of the things that's unique about flood insurance, can't do that with, you know, other, other lines of insurance. So if the seller has a particular policy with an advantageous price point, and you can assume that you can then forecast out year over year, exactly what your flood insurance cost will be. Because right now FEMA has an 18% rate cap on the price increase. Okay. So it's very predictable. Is that done oftentimes that you can assume the current policy that the seller has? So you got to talk to your insurance broker and, and essentially see if, you know, the carrier that they're with is one that they can also, um, you know, take on themselves. Sometimes you will see situations to where, let's say I'm buying a property from you, Donald, and my insurance broker, for whatever reason, we don't have access to the carrier that you have. So in some situations, I might keep the flood insurance through your broker so that I can take advantage of that pricing. And you see this most commonly with properties that had really low flood insurance premiums through FEMA's previous program. Mm -hmm. And even if the full risk premium is... 10x what they're paying today, you still know that you're only going to increase 18% every year. Whereas if my broker wrote a brand new policy, it's possible that I might come in at the full risk premium from day one. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And just a a random question just popped in my head. You mentioned um, they oftentimes might have you do full replacement costs on the building. So say you have a building that's in a flood zone. The building is, you have 10 floors. So they look at, I mean, would it just be replacement costs on that first floor or all additional nine floors? Because you would think, or I would would think that it's not going to flood above the first floor in most cases. Right. So we've seen, we've seen cases where, you know, you may have a 10 floor building and they say, well, we want, you know, 10 million, 15 million in flood coverage on this building. And because um, the programs through FEMA only cover 500,000, you've got to go get that excess um, limit from the private market. And so, you know, some cases people will go get the the entire 15 million through a private policy. 
Um, but that's where the costs can really start to, you know, balloon and increase quite dramatically. But yeah, to answer your question, it's typically, you know, the majority of the building. Okay. All right. Awesome. That's some, yeah, that's some very good information there. And so what advice would you give to someone looking at a property in a flood zone? Would you say, talk to, talk to experts such as ourselves before just making a, a reactionary decision on whether or not to move forward with the project? 100%. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that just because it's in a flood zone, that should be the only reason to walk away. You know, if it's a good deal and a lot of the other details are really starting to pencil well, then explore further. You might find that there are some options. You might find that that particular area has never flooded. And you may be willing to risk that given how good the deal looks in other areas. So okay. you just, you never know. Yeah. It sounds like it might be a lot less competition for those types of um, projects as well. So definitely something to consider. The secret's getting out. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not too much. All right, DJ. So yeah, before, before we hop off, let me, um, since you have such an interesting background, let's, let's do a little um, lightning round and see. See what makes you you tick behind behind the curtains. Sure. So, what book of books have greatly influenced your life? Sure, I would say the Ten X Rule by Grant Cardone. Okay. Um, I think you can never think big enough. Um, Extreme Ownership, which is a, a fantastic book if you've if you've never uh, had the experience, I recommend the audio book. Um, it's read by the author, and Compound Effect. That really ties in with the idea that, you know, it's it's the compound effect, like we all know with compound interest, that really makes, you know, to where you see the the result on all your efforts. Absolutely. Yeah, and I've read all three of those books. Actually, all of those are excellent. So, yeah, I definitely recommend that to, to anyone listening. All right, so how has a failure or perceived failure actually allowed you a greater success later? Yeah. So when I left the tennis industry, I had my eyes set on the medical device industry. And, you know, some people consider that to be the NFL of sales and mm -hmm. worked my way into the industry for about 18 months, quickly realized that it was not for me, but it was a great successful failure because that's what led me to meeting uh, the owner of National Flood Experts. And it's been a fantastic, you know, decision last five years uh and many years to come i hope so and, and what, what made you feel it wasn't for you what part of it soured you on it uh you know a, a good friend of mine entrepreneur very successful uh, businessman told me one time um he said decide what lifestyle you want first and then figure out how you're going to make everything else work around that and so one day I was sitting in uh, in the hospital. We had a case that had gotten delayed from about 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. And then at the last minute, the surgeon decided to cancel the case and move it to the next day. And I just thought to myself, I, I just can't. This is not going to be sustainable for me. Yeah. So. Yeah. And definitely feel that then. Okay. All right. And DJ, if you could have a billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? 1% better every day. That's something that um, our sales team hears me say pretty frequently. I'm a firm believer 
you know, it's, um, it, it's a mentality and a mindset to constantly work to improve. And awesome. It's baby steps, right? But that compounds, it has that compound effect, right? Right. All right. And what, what's a habit or routine that you love? Exercising in the morning. Um, right. I'm a, a marathon runner. I've got a marathon in uh, about 15 weeks. You know, so I'm up running multiple days a week uh, in the gym. So getting my start to the day with exercise really gets, you know, gets me invigorated and gets me going. Yeah, and you got to do that early in Florida, right? You got to get out there super early or <laughs> definitely. It's hot. DJ, what's your favorite place to think big? I would say conferences. You know, I've learned a lot about the real estate industry through conferences where we've been marketing the business. Um, nothing really puts me in a, a bigger frame of mind than to be around other successful people. And you just find yourself thinking in a certain framework that's sometimes just hard to do by yourself. But when you're yeah. surrounded by a hundred people that all have similar interests, similar goals, um, it, it's amazing the types of ideas uh, that you start coming up with. Yeah, absolutely. And DJ, what have you become better at saying no to? You know, I would say saying no to things that are going to prevent me from reaching, you know, those levels of success, you know, so saying no to things that are going to slow down my body. Uh, yeah, I find that I don't drink as much, you know, mm. even, even a beer here and there, you know, I think about that, how it's going to affect my run the next morning. Mm. Um, and it's the same with business, right? What things are going to help speed me up rather than, you know, slow me down. Yeah, taking you away from your goals and distractions. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, and last one before we hop off. This probably is the, the deepest one. What important truth do very few people agree with you on? You know, I think everyone um, can be healthy, wealthy, and successful. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, you know, I didn't have a silver spoon background. Um, I, I think everyone with the right mindset can achieve all three of those things. Definitely. And I love how you said healthy first. I think that's most important. Definitely. All right. Great, great, DJ. This has been great. So before we hop off, what's the best way for um, anyone to get in touch with you if they wanted to reach out and collaborate or get some more information? Yeah, my email is dj at nationalfloodexperts.com. Uh, more than welcome to reach out to me with any questions or inquiries. Um, if you'd like to have your property taken a look at, like I said, with our no-cost review, you can send an email to info at nationalfloodexperts.com. And, you know, one of our sales team will get back in touch with you quickly and, you know, see if we can be a resource in any way. All right. Awesome. All right, DJ. Yeah, this has been very enlightening. Thanks for thanks for joining us today. We're going to have to have you back again soon to elaborate a bit more. Anytime. Thank you so much, Donald. All right. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. There you have it, guys. Another episode of Dealmaker Diaries in the books. If you enjoy and or find value in what we're doing, please do leave us a nice review. It goes a long way in keeping the show moving in the right direction. For you investors, if you're looking for places to put your hard-earned capital to work, head on over to our website, g1cgrp.com. 
and sign up for our investor list to be informed of the different projects we're raising capital for that will provide you with the cash flow your investments so much deserves.